0: Until then, we hope this message leads you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Well, this morning, uh, my message is titled The Giver's Gift, but we decided to uh, change the title at the last minute. It is now Grace Like Rain. We've got a, bunch, a plentiful supply of that uh, outside, and uh, this must be Tennessee because we've had snow in abundance this week, we're going to have rain in abundance. Uh, Like my grandfather once said, if you don't like the weather, just wait, it'll change. So for those of you from the north, your heart was blessed this week. For those of you from the south, get over it (laughs) and uh, we'll just get along well together, won't we? Well, it's good to be here today. Uh, Whether you're joining with us online or if you're in the house today. Uh, it's just good to see your faces. It is good to hear our voices joined together in song. And uh, that is one of the things that you just can't get uh, when, you're, when you're by yourself. And so uh, being a part of the church is so important. This morning, uh, I wanna ask you a question. I want you to share with the people around you. But the question is this, what does it look like for someone to embrace Jesus? Last week, we talked about what our options are when it comes to what do we do with Jesus? We can embrace Jesus, we can ignore Jesus, or we can reject Jesus. And, and the crazy thing about grace is that you are given that choice. But today, uh, I, as I've been thinking about the week uh, in preparation, uh, I just kept coming back to, I wonder what is in the hearts and minds of our people when they think about embracing Jesus. What does that look like? So I want you to share with each other about maybe what it looks like for you or something that you would like it to look like for you, Uh, but just take a few moments, share with the people around you, what does it look like for you to embrace Jesus? Go. I love the chatter. I love sharing life with each other. Well, bring it back. Um, You probably could go for a long time on this one, and I hope you do. Continue this conversation at home. Uh, Ask the people at work this week, hey, my pastor talked to us about embracing Jesus. What does that look like for you? Uh, Use this as an on-road, an on-ramp to have conversations with the people around you. Um, and blame it on me, you know. That just use me as your excuse, and that would be fine. So the, the question has continued to be in my mind all week. As uh, Christy and I, we've had in our hearts and minds that we are going to be starting a series on grace today. Um, as pastors, we often are trying to think about how do we tie in series and focuses and calendar year, calendar moments. You know, how do we tie that all together? And as I've been thinking about the transition into a, a series on grace, um, I, I just have not been able to get away from that question, what do we do with Jesus? And I think at our heart, if we could kind of hang out there every day, every moment of our life, if we could wrestle with and answer the question, what am I going to do with Jesus today? Um, I think we would be in a far better place if, if we were not to just to ask the question, but if we were to do something about getting an answer because I think at at the heart of our faith is, is this tendency to maybe just be aware of Jesus and maybe keep Jesus at a distance but when we welcome Jesus right into the mess right into all of our stuff we've got to come up with an answer are we going to embrace ignore or reject Jesus and so for each of us I would just I've been praying for you this week that that would become uh, just a constant process in you, uh, evaluating your life, asking yourself, what does it look like for me to embrace Jesus today? And as I've been thinking about that, you know, what do we do with Jesus? There's another question that I think is even more pivotal and foundational that really comes prior to the question of, What are we gonna do with Jesus? And it's this, what has Jesus done in us? You see, if we just focus on what does it mean for us to embrace Jesus, we have this tendency to forget that our answer is simply a response to the move of God in our life. Christmas has been all about that. God becomes flesh and blood, moves into the neighborhood and we have to figure out what to do with Jesus. The shepherds, the wise men, Mary, uh, the governors, and, and, and just people throughout the life of Jesus had to come to terms with, what, what am I gonna do with this God who has become flesh and moved into the neighborhood? When we think about this, we, we invariably have to come to this place where we have a conversation about grace. Grace is, uh, it's a gift. In the New Testament, the Greek word that we use for gift is charis, which comes from the, the root char, which means that which brings joy. Think about the gifts that you have received, or maybe the gifts that you have, uh, you have given. The, those that have brought great joy, not just the ones that people have opened up. You know these. They open up and like, oh, thank you so much. No, not those gifts. The gifts that people open up and they start crying, they start jumping up and down. They get so excited because joy has welled up in them because, because they've received a charis, a gift. I love what 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich that's amazing what God intends to do in you there's a purpose to it there's a goal for it and it's not simply to get you to show up at church no it's to transform you and to bring you great great joy the best gifts are always personal you know those personal gifts The ones that you can tell someone went to great lengths to make this personal they know you they've thought about you they know what excites you they know what doesn't and they want to get something that just is for you specifically my parents they're probably listening hi mom and dad Um, they got us a gift this year that is just very personal it's a gift that uh, Jamie, our very own Jamie Bloom, it was so excited to hear that we had gotten it because it resonates with his heart. Um, my, my parents got us a bidet. Yes, they got us a bidet. Uh, it is like this new thing out there. Uh, bidets are all the rage in the United States uh, these days. Uh, but I love that gift because they thought about it They got something special that they thought that we might enjoy. Actually, I think they got it just so they could see our laugh when we opened it. But you see, I love it when I can tell that someone has thought about the gift that they are giving. Have you done that lately? Have you thought about someone else and said to yourself, I I want, I want to get them something good? We've just come through the season of Christmas um and i'm sure a lot of that happened uh but can i just say this gift giving is not just a christmas thing it's not just a birthday thing it's not just a valentine's day thing it's coming up guys take note uh gift giving is a part of our dna as followers of christ because our god is a gift giver but not only are they personal the best gifts are also particular they're unique they're they not, so there are times when uh, we will give gifts out to large groups of people. Maybe it's the same thing to everyone. That happens, but I'm talking about the kind of gifts that, that are targeted. They're, they're for a particular person. No one else will get this gift. This person will. I tell the story, it's one of my favorite stories. Shared it with the teens just a little while ago about uh, the gift that I received from my grandparents one one christmas I opened it up it was a small box I was a little bummed like oh this is all I'm getting but I opened it up and there inside were my grandfather's two cross country medals from college <sighs> best gift ever you know it's it's that kind of gift that's particular grandpa knew that those would mean something to me they hang on the wall in our office right to, to my left they were particular, they were personal, and they mean everything to me. So let's keep this in mind as we think about the grace of God, that gift of God given to each of us, not as a thing given, but as a relationship offered. God meets you right where you are, no matter the condition. Hear me, this is the essence of grace. God meets you no matter the condition, right where you're at, and offers you all of himself. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. God loves you enough to give you this gift. Now, whenever I think about what God does for us, I immediately am also thinking about what I do for others. Because of what God is doing in me, what does that cause me to do to others? And so my question for us today, it's a tag on, is this. Do you give others with conditions or do you give to others the way God gives to you without condition this is God's grace God's loving response to undeserving humanity there's a gentleman who walked into our church in Michigan one day he was there one day never saw him again But as I was milling around before service, I saw him back in the right-hand side of the the sanctuary, and he looked like he was about to die. He was fidgety. He was, you could see on his face, he was worried. And so I went back, like I try to do, to meet new people, and I said, hey, hi, I'm Pastor Jeremy. What's your name? He told me his name. And uh, he said, I shouldn't be here. And I thought, well, you are here, so why, what are you saying? He said, no, no, I shouldn't be here. Places burn down when people like me walk in. And immediately I understood that this was a guy who was wrestling with his humanity and recognizing that it was very different than God's divinity. And he was fearful that by being in such a sacred space that God was going to take care of him and not in a good way. He had this notion that God hated him because of the sin in his life. But I had a chance to share with that guy that day. Oh, no, 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 no. You misunderstand. God loves you. God is glad that you are here, and so are we. That is the kind of grace-giving God that we have and the kind of grace-giving people that we should be. As uh, Chrissy and I uh, want to unpack for you some of the aspects of grace over the next few weeks, um, I can't help but think of that song, Amazing Grace. It is the song that probably is more famous than any other song that has ever been written. It was a song written by John Newton in 1772, 250 years ago. I wonder how many times that song has been sung over those 250 years. Nine years later, or seven years later, it was uh, published in 1779. And it has become one of the most circulated songs of all time amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i once was lost but now i'm found was blind but now i see this first verse of the hymn hints of something that john's history makes very clear if you know a little bit about John, you know that he is an unlikely candidate for grace. John was a captain of a slave ship that transported hundreds, if not thousands of slaves from West Africa to Great Britain in the height of the slave trade. One night out on the seas, there was a violent storm and something about that storm got John's attention. He was changed that night. Those rocky seas became still in his heart because of his encounter with God, and he changed that day. He resigned his position as captain of the slave ship. He became an Anglican pastor in England, and he became a mentor to a gentleman by the name of uh, William Wilberforce, who led the campaign to abolish slavery in the British Empire. As he lay dying at the age of 82, he recalled two things. This is what he said. My memory is nearly gone, but two things I know, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great savior. John didn't get what he deserved. Think about that. Think about the lives that he hauled as commodity. He didn't deserve the grace of God. A God who created each and every one of those lives as unique in his image and and he transported them as just commodity. He didn't deserve grace. He got though what God wanted for him. And that is grace. When we get what God wants for us, rather than what we deserve based on our actions. That is grace. I learned something about grace that changed this life and keeps changing our lives. You see, God does not love you because you are good. Neither does God hate you because you are bad. God is love, and that is not dependent upon you. God is love, no matter how you choose to act. The author Philip Yancey writes, Grace means that God already loves us as much as an infinite God could possibly love. You see, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans chapter three says that, or chapter eight. And here's the big deal. If you get nothing else out of this morning, if you have been like tuned out, wake up for just a moment, you can go back to sleep in just a second. But hear me this morning. God is the one who decides what God gets to do with what God has. You cannot coerce God enough to get him to do what you want him to do. Because God is the generous giver. Join me in Matthew's gospel. uh, In one of the parables uh, that Jesus shares that day, Matthew chapter 20, if you have your Bibles open to that, uh, find it on your phone or your tablet. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, we read these words. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire w- workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. These people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them as much as you have paid us to work all day in the scorching heat he answered one of them friend I haven't been unfair didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage take your money and go I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money should you be jealous because I am kind to others so those who are last will now be first and those who are first will be last. This is the word of God for the people of God and the world. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. A couple things that I want to highlight for you out of this passage. If you find yourself struggling with this parable, you are not alone. You are not the first, neither will you be the last. This is one of those parables that is teaching us a truth about God in a tangible story form um it just doesn't seem quite fair does it if we work more than someone else shouldn't we get paid more I mean aren't they right those first workers who raised the issue with the landowner I I I think I agree with them but you see Jesus is trying to teach us something else this this will be our struggle if we understand grace as a transaction Grace is not a transaction. It's not an A plus B equals C type of thing. Grace is grounded in the generosity of the giver, not the transaction. Grace is the giver's gift. If we are more focused on grace as a transaction, we will focus more on what we do to deserve the gift, what we've done to earn the gift, the hoops that we've jumped through, the things that we've done all to make ourselves worthy however if we look at grace as a gift we will focus more on the relationship rather than the gift the relationship with the one giving the gift one of the things i love about this parable is that the landowner the giver is always on the lookout for people The landowner is always on the lookout for people. It's like he's going in search of them. If you follow some of the other parables that Jesus tells, that seems to be a common theme about our God. God is always seeking out people. Every three hours, it seems, the landowner finds a new group of people to bring into his economy of grace. The reality uh, really challenges me. Am I on the lookout for people? to bring into not only my economy of grace, but God's economy of grace? Are we people the ones who are noticing those who need a gift of grace? Too often, I think for myself, I can find myself too busy to notice the people around me. Some might say, yeah, but those people were just standing around doing nothing. Why do they deserve an invitation when I had been working my hardest? Church, that's transactional thinking. That's us not taking into account the heart of the one wanting to give, the generous heart of God. Grace is a gift, it's the giver's gift. And until we recognize that at at its infancy, at its beginning, we are not the givers, folks. We are the receivers. Now, our response can be to become givers. But first and foremost, when you are thinking about what God has for you, recognize this, God will give you what God wants for you. The question is, what are you gonna do in response? Church, you are the recipient And the sooner we come to this understanding, the more we will be able to enjoy the gift of the giver. Can you imagine you giving someone this gift that you have just thought about? It is personal, it is particular. You give it to them, they open it up, and they're like, oh, how nice. How much do I owe you? That just kind of like ruins the entire gift. Because at, at the heart, that's a transaction. Someone seeing the gift as a transaction. When really, I think the giver wants to see you enjoy the gift, to live in to the gift. There, there's one more other thing. Did you catch the difference in motivation between the workers who started at the beginning of the day compared to the rest of the workers? See, the ones that started at the beginning of the day, the landowner had gone to and said, hey, let's, let's work out an arrangement between us. I am willing to pay you a full day's wage for a full day's work. Are you willing to work for that? They said yes. They left for the vineyard and they started their work. But did you catch what happened with the rest of them? The other workers agreed to work, but they had no idea what they were going to receive. They they received the job simply because they trusted the landowner. Those are two very different scenarios. Here this. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. And they agreed. They had no idea what they were going to make that day, but they were willing to trust the landowner. Church, are you willing to trust? Are you willing to trust the landowner that God the giver who wants to give to you. They trusted the landowner. They trusted in all that they were that the landowner would do right. So which is better? The, the, the people who started with, with a transactional agreement or those who trusted the landowner? Well, I, I, I don't wanna diminish those who agreed to something. I, I, I think that, that that's okay. We enter into contracts with people every day. Those of you who are, are working for a, a, a business, you recognize that you are going to work for a day, you're going to earn this amount of money, you know that. But there's something that happens when we begin responding to grace in our lives. We tend to be a people who go beyond the call of duty. Let me ask you this question. Uh, for those of you who are working jobs right now, um, transactional thinking says you are out of there as soon as the clock ticks but these other workers they went into work saying i'm going to work till the job's done what would it look like for us to be a people who don't just get the job done to meet the expectations of the transaction but what if we become people who do that well but then are willing to go way beyond the call of duty as a response to grace offered to us. So which is better? Well, based on this parable, I'm gonna suggest that being motivated by trust in the giver is better than being motivated by a transaction. Where do we fall into that? See, gifts elicit responses. Those responses look a lot like Thanksgiving. That morning when I opened that really tiny box that I was kind of bumming on and I saw what was in there, I cried. I wept. I was overwhelmed by the gift that my grandfather had given to me. I can't even kind of describe to you what was happening in my heart that day. But you see, when we give thanks, it's not just in words. It's not a, hey, thanks. No, no, it's not just words. It's in a life lived in thanksgiving. It's a life lived in relationship with the giver. It's an invitation to migrate from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved son. It's about being acclimated to a brand new way of life where we learn to speak a new language. We acquire new habits and we unlearn other habits that are kind of routine in the rival dominion. The transition from our first church to our second church was a rough one for us. Um, Probably more so for me than my wife. Um, It hit me really hard the way things ended. And uh, we had been at that church for six years. We had had the opportunity to move uh, into a new house that we had built after living in two different parsonages. And the church had helped us out with that. uh, And it was amazing it was amazing until uh the new pastor came and had different ideas we found ourselves without a job we found ourselves moving to texas and it was rough now uh, we had been in the house that we built for nine months uh which is not the best time to try and sell a house um usually you have like little to no equity in that it's kind of going to be a, a, a wash which pr- or a loss if not a wash uh, especially when that transition happens uh, in 2005 at the beginning of the housing crash. So here we were with a beautiful home that we could no longer live in. We ended up in Texas, out in the middle of nowhere. And we had to find a rental house to live in while we tried to figure out what to do with this house in Michigan. We had to jump through all sorts of hoops. And I remember sitting across the table from a loan officer as we were trying to secure a mortgage for our, a house in Texas now. And I watched them look through the papers and there was anxiety welling up in me because was I gonna be good enough? Were, were, uh, had I done, was my credit history good enough? Had I checked all of the right boxes? Had I done enough? to deserve a mortgage from this company. And I just, I I remember as I was reflecting this week, just the anxiety in me, was I gonna be good enough? Now it was devastating when I hear from the mortgage company, I'm sorry, we cannot give you a loan. Your credit is not what we are looking for. I went home, I had a wife and two kids. I was out in the middle of absolutely nowhere And I felt like I had drugged them to the end of the the earth. And now I couldn't even provide for them. So I wrestled and I prayed and I've had some conversations with God. Maybe you've had those conversations with God. Like, what are you doing to me? Along came our pastor. And he said to us, hey, I, I know things aren't working out for you but I'd like to help. He said, how about this? How about I buy the house and you make the payments? I, again, found myself in tears. Uh, Because this would cost him a lot. Like the trust that he put in me as, as a person that he hardly knew was staggering. You see, grace oftentimes It's always free, but that doesn't mean it doesn't cost something. And in this case, the cost was on him. Folks, when we receive grace from God, the cost is on God. And he offers you the gift of grace. So there I was sitting there with my my heart in my hands, And I was trying to wrestle with what in the world would motivate this pastor to want to give me a gift that cost him everything, but ultimately cost me nothing. I mean, what if I didn't pay those payments? That was on him. Well, we received that gift of grace from him and we were faithful to his gift of grace in our life by making those payments every month. I, uh, I wanted to treat that gift well. What I found out as we were there longer and longer is not only was that pastor a generous pastor in many, many ways, but that church was a generous people. And we learned a lot about grace out amidst the tumbleweed of Texas, a place that i dreaded going but a place where god had something to teach us folks sometimes the grace that we receive we receive it in the places that we don't want to go in the in through through the situations we rather would not go through but sometimes it's those very situations and places where god gets a hold of us the most and is able to help us understand how much he loves us and how much he wants to give us. In Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, he mentions that he has been given the administration of God's grace. Uh, I teach a course for Nazarene Bible College called Church Administration and Finance. It's a class that talks to those who are training for ministry to consider the vast amounts of issues that are related to administering a church. And when I hear that Paul was given the administration of God's grace, what I hear is this God entrusted into Paul's life the grace that comes from God. And God expects and expected that Paul would do something with that. He wouldn't just hold on to it and, and you know hoard it for himself, but he would administer that grace the best administers of God's grace are those who have encountered it the deepest. Paul, who was known as Saul, encountered the person of Jesus on a road one day. And in that encounter, Paul encountered the grace of God that covered over a whole lot of junk in his life. It didn't just kind of like hide it. No, Paul was trans, Saul was transformed so much so that, that his name got changed. We know him as Paul. Those who receive grace the fullest seem to be the ones who want to give it the most. Church, my prayer for you is this become administrators of God's grace, Um, peddlers of God's grace, givers of God's grace. Um, May you become the very people who receive richly and give richly. Simply because you know that you are a part of the kingdom of grace. Will you administer God's grace in the same way that you have received God's grace? Will you? Over the next three weeks, we, Chrissy, I wanna invite you just to be a part of this journey through grace with us. And I hope and I pray that you would, your heart would be open and your mind would be open, your eyes would be open to see all that God wants to give you not because you deserve it, not because you've earned it, not because of anything other than the fact that it's the giver's gift. Will you receive the giver's gift in your life today? Church, stand with me. Father, this morning, we have come to receive your gift of grace. We do that every week when we gather together, but it's not just a church building service type thing. It's a daily awakening to your grace that is always coming in our direction god as we hear the rain pouring outside right now god i pray that we would recognize that more so than that your grace is coming to us you are wanting to soak us to saturate us to overwhelm us with your grace. And because of that, I have to say, that's amazing. English just doesn't have words to do it justice. So God, I think we'll just say, Lord, it's amazing. And Lord, we wanna thank you. But God, I just pray this, don't go easy on us. Don't let us off the hook. God, I pray that you would not let up on us. As many of us are going to get soaked on our way to our cars today. God, I pray that you would soak us with your grace. Church, just a brief moment. Would you say, talk to God about Your intentions with His grace? In your heart, right there. Would you just tell God what you intend to do with His grace? Lord, hear the prayers of our hearts today. Receive them as our worship. And Lord, today, may you transform us through and through because we've opened the doors to receive your grace. Lord, we've unfurled our arms that have been crossed for way too long. We, we turn around in your direction. We admit and confess our arrogance and our stubbornness and our busyness and our everything else-ness that hinders a relationship with you. God, fashion us into your image, in your name, amen. Church, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you all until we meet again may you be recipients of god's grace aka god's blessings in your life but may you also be givers of that may you be a blessing to those around you until we meet again can we be that people can we be that people grace is in we meet again. May the Lord be with you. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you would like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org slash give. Thanks again for listening.